0: of Ballantyre House, and circled once, as if in judgment, then disappeared into the gathering mist. And the house stood solid on its raised terrace, above the neat lawns and graveled paths which led down to the river, quite indifferent to the passing moment. What happened next happened fast. Only later would memory replay the events in James's brain, scene by scene, endlessly over the years as he sought the sense in it. Jacko's body had crumpled in his arms. A spent force, his wild spirit flown with the rooks. And then, bang! A second shot had whistled past James, its wicked breath fanning his cheek. Somewhere, someone gave a furious roar it needed no more. Old instincts buried deep, took hold as James rose and spun in a single movement and then tore, half-crouching, back to the shelter of the oak woods, a fox streaking to sanctuary, to the echo of the rook's reproaches. Chapter 1. Columbian Exposition, Chicago, 1893. Every few minutes the beam of a giant arc light swept the roofline of the White City, cleaving the Illinois night sky to startle the grebes that rode the lake's dark swells. It lit the sleek undercut bow of Mr. Larson's steam yacht, Valkyrie, which rode at anchor, adding luster to her varnished hull, and it reached Evelyn Ballantyre as she leant over the port rail, staring down at the jagged reflections. She began counting the seconds between each raking shaft. One, two, three. And as the beam swept away again, she raised her head, following its course over the ripples to the pier a hundred yards away, where it lit the promenade, with its booths and stands, shuttered now for the night, before rising again to illuminate the improbable cityscape of classical domes and colonnades, every roofline a string of stars. The White City Briefly, the beam lit the aft deck where her father sat with Mr. Larson, their host. They were elegant in evening dress, taking their ease under the yacht's striped awning until the evening's engagement should begin. All right, my dear, her father asked, lifting his head and looking across at her she nodded briefly and turned back to the lake. She had sat with them earlier, then risen, excusing herself with a smile that neither man noticed, and drifted over to the rail to watch the extraordinary spectacle as the miracle of electricity transformed the scene on shore. Their conversation had been dominated as ever by the day's newspapers with their daily accounts of bankruptcies and suicides, and she had found it tedious. How could there be anything new to say? She frowned down at the toes of her sequined shoes. It was a new pair, and very fine they were, very costly, purchased during a brief shopping trip after disembarking in New York, en route to Chicago. The sequins glittered as the arc light swung back, evoking a glamour that, as yet, had no substance. The White City Back in Scotland, when she first heard the name, it had conjured up an ethereal, mysterious place of great wonder, and looking across the shore now, she thought it lived up to expectations. But there had been nothing ethereal inside the noisy machinery hall, where they had squandered their morning, nor in the mines and mining building that afternoon. Her father, inevitably, had been fascinated by both places engrossed by what he saw, probing for information about costs and returns, while she stood by with nothing to do but wait and study the extraordinary fashions of the few women there who, like her, attended their male companions. Mr. Larson had left a selection of souvenir guidebooks and programmes in the yacht's saloon, and she had browsed through them with a keen interest. "'The world has come to Chicago,' he told her with a smile, so prepare to be amazed. She had browsed through the Illustrated Guide to the World's Fair in Chicago and the World's Columbian Exposition, which informed her that, quite apart from the main pavilions, there was a...